0: Our guest today is actor and Greek historian Teo Penglis. Now, a role on General Hospital led to his four decades on the NBC daytime drama Days of Our Lives, which has earned him three Emmy nominations for Outstanding Leading Actor and a Soap Opera Digest Award for Favorite Return. And he is also, believe it or not, one of Soap's favorite villains. Now, Teo's acting career went far beyond the Soaps as he played Master of Disguise Nicholas Black on the 1989 primetime revival of Mission Impossible. He also starred in the miniseries Sadat, appeared opposite of Omar Sharif and Jane Seymour in the miniseries adaptation of Sidney Sheldon's Memories of Midnight, and played a terrorist in the television film Under Siege with Peter Strauss and Hal Holbrook, and starred with Joanna Cassidy in the miniseries Tribe. But one thing remains is his love of his Greek heritage, the grandson of Greek immigrants who migrated to Australia in the 1940s. And Teo celebrates his heritage in his acting, his writing, even cooking and travels, and now his brand new podcast, In the Lost Treasures. Now, In the Lost Treasures, he channels his passion for Greek history and the culture by exploring the trilogy of Homer through the life of German archaeologist Heinrich uh, Schliemann, who himself changed history by uncovering the real-life locations and treasures in the ancient epic poems. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome legendary actor and the lover of Greek history, Theo Penglis, to the show. Welcome. Thank you. That was a nice mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got to ask right off the bat here, Taylor, what is happening with your character on Days of Our Lives? Well, he
1: hasn't died again, so that's good. Um, You know, when they take me out of story like they do uh, at certain times of the year, uh, I I usually go on for a journey somewhere. Uh, It's never explained, uh, but I come back with my wife and we're kvetching about how difficult it is to travel and you know it's it's very much on the surface there's no i like dangerous things and you know i like coming back home and suddenly something happens a new tunnel is found somebody has just been murdered you know i i because then you've got story but you know when you're given lines about coming off a plane and how the person next to you was making too much noise or snoring it doesn't make for a great episode so right now um, I am doing other things and so after 40 this is the 42nd year um, you know you want to do different things and I have and I, it's the only way I can make a lot of money, when they used to say to me actors don't make a lot of money that I could take journeys and the journeys are the things that really changed me as a person and also changed me as an actor because I always came back interested. I took uh, a page that sometimes could be mundane, made it more interesting because I discovered another culture, another piece of history. Uh, You know, people find different ways of fulfilling their daily occurrences or their jobs, what makes them more interesting. Um, more interesting is people, and that is curiosity. And so I've been doing that for over 40 years, and I've been to Egypt 14 times, I've been to Greece 25 times, Italy 20 times, Jordan three times, England three times. So um, Germany once, that was it. And so, (laughs) you know, it's all part of what I don't know. You know, I've, I've always wanted to know uh, what I wasn't taught or choice of education that I would have liked as, as a youngster. So um, the wonderful thing about maturing is that you have those choices. And therefore, I love, I love going into a culture, even though I've been there a few times or many times, and finding something new and coming back. Because I always believe when you leave your front door, something about you will have changed when you come back home. And that's what journeys do, and that's why I think I'll have a long life because there's too many things to see, um, even though it's dangerous in the Middle East now. Um, so I have to do an alternative. So I'm going down to Mexico. You know who did who did you stu- study acting under? Oh, um, Mary Tarsee in New York was my first who didn't think very much of my talent. Um, but it took me two years of really fighting that idea and thinking I'm better than this, even though I never dreamt about being an actor. Um, within two years, I was one of the best actors in class. And then I met Milton Katselas, who had been the assistant to Elia Kazan. So I became his assistant. Uh, and and he was my mentor for over forty years. So I studied with him for uh, thirty years. Ten is his assistant, and and uh, and Stella Adler three years. So I I had a good crop of the golden age of acting teachers. Um, I was very fortunate. Not to say that the teachers today are, are, are not. Uh, worse, But I think what they had in those days, you know, depending on how serious you think, I mean, today, you can lie and nobody slaps you, you know, in those days, you said something, you fabricated something, and then you're found out, they, they may say something to you, but it's part of the norm now. And for us, we always went for truth. And that was very important as a foundation to our character and to the character that we were going to play. What is the truth? You know, Spencer Tracy, the wonderful actor from the forties, uh, fifties, uh, said that, you know, the way you act is you just step up to your line and tell the truth. So, you know, if you don't know your truth then you're acting, I think, meanders, it's not always concise um and and somehow when you say the truth you say it but once and within that truth you can also find the humor but when you keep lying as a human being i I think you're all over the place and so those teachers always you know you always were there on time you 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 dressed accordingly you you um you you were there always every week you know and if you weren't they want to know why So, you know, you had to be interested and you had to be not just about yourself, but interested in the way others performed. Because by observing others, you learned things about yourself, envy, jealousy, you know, they're better than me. They've had a better career than me. But, you know, it all becomes part of your character. And in the end, that's what we live with. You know, that's, that's the thing that you're an example of.
0: Well, what, were the ma- what was the major difference between studying under Milton versus Stella?
1: Milton was more of a director. He self-taught you how to direct because a lot of directors expect you to know that once you walk up on that line, you know what to say and how to do it. Stella uh, gave you a different kind of experience. She was more of a teacher where she the great playwrights. And she would do six weeks of Ibsen, six weeks of Tennessee Williams, uh, six weeks of uh, great writers. And, and, and she would even talk about the size of the sky. She would talk about the way we would dress, the, the period, the manners, um, the way you would enter a room. All those were part of how you became one with, with the character. And I always uh, remember Milton. I was doing uh, a play in New York. And I was playing Balanchine, uh, the great choreographer uh, at the New York City Ballet and I had studied with the Joffrey for six months to get this role done properly. But I remember Milton saying to me while he was sitting in the audience to make an entrance, he made me do it 40 times because he never ever believed that I had the authority or the artistry of a man who had that kind of Um, success and that kind of imagination. And for me, it was something I'll never forget because now I get people saying, oh, I just love your entrances. And I think you have no idea what it took. I mean, you try to make an entrance 40 times and you get rejected all those times because it's not good enough, but eventually it stays with you. So it becomes part of the foundation of who you are. So that, you know, when you enter a room, you make an entrance. I mean, people who, are, who have had great success make an entrance, know how to make an entrance. And so uh, for me, you know, I've had a lot of entrances and exits on days, and not all particularly attractive. Um, but I remember working with the director in a mini series, uh, Gary Nelson, and uh, it was Memories of Midnight with Omar Sharif. And I remember making a move without him telling me where to go. And he said to me, where did you get your training from? Because you know how to make a camera follow you. So you make the move, the camera has to follow you. You don't follow the camera. Or the director says, I want you to move here, 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 and here. No, when you're rehearsing, they're testing to see what you know. And so I'm sitting at a desk and this young man comes in who's being arrogant. And so I decided to dismiss him. And how did I do it? I turned my chair and showed my back, then got up and then the camera had to follow me to the window while I contemplated my plan. And so they're the things that you learn along the way. These days, they don't even know what happened five years ago. You know, We had to learn our history. We had to know those who came before us. We had to know...
0: Well see, that's the thing that's the thing I've been hearing from actors who had the opportunity like you to study under Stella Adler, where what she taught also helped you become a better person outside of acting. Did you feel that? Um,
1: she terrorized you. If she this was one teacher <laughs> tell you women had it worse because if you were an attractive man she could forgive you a lot of things you know um I remember walking in to meet her for the first time I was but not particularly comfortable because I heard she was a terror and she came from the group theater in New York so she came from royalty and so I remember walking in and she had about five people in uh, that she was talking to and she looked at the door and she saw me standing then she turned around and she said it was like may west to me she still looked at them and she says would you all please leave <laughs> so i came in and you know from that moment um she wanted me as a student she saw something i suppose um but i remember making that entrance and i always remember what milton did for me in those days i didn't quite appreciate it i it had to come later when when it started you know it's like the flavor of a when you're cooking a flavor takes its time to uh, become uh, and so so does knowledge it doesn't automatically because someone tells you it makes you feel like oh i know what you mean you know what i mean you it's not about just discovering it's about being
0: well yeah cuz the other thing that i loved mm-hmm. with the things that you've already said you know, especially like your travels, because mm-hmm. when you travel, you get to learn so many things that you've never experienced, uh, people you've never talked to, you get to read about history. And I've talked to some actors that are they're literally they're in their 80s and their 90s. And they they've always told me the biggest thing is when it comes to acting, educate yourself. Read all sorts of books. Read things you would never read. Go visit places you've never been and just absorb, you know, the environment because all of that works to help you become a better actor. And, and you've done those things because I, I started listening to your podcast, In the Lost Treasures, and, uh, and I think a, your delivery is so eloquent. And it just caused me to want to listen more and more. Ah, oh,
1: thank you. Um, you know, be, there are four parts. The three, uh, the third part, uh, everything else up to that point is I'd been to Troy many times. I'd been to Greece many times. I went through 60,000 documents of Schliemann and, and I felt I knew him. I read nine books on him. I went into his house. I sat at his desk in his mansion and I got permission to do so by the Minister of Culture. But the third one was more interesting because I started to write it and I said, you know what, because I haven't been there, I feel like this is a lie, that my information on this is having read through books, through the internet. I said, I I want my feet to understand what that earth was about. So I wrote to the gentleman called Crawshaw, who was discovering where 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 Schliemann couldn't, discovering where uh, Ulysses had come home after uh, the twenty years being away from, from the Trojan War, and he 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 uh, you know answered me right away, and I flew that week to Greece, and then to Cephalonia, and then he. Um, it was during covid and so we had masks on at first and then he got as he got to know me and thought i was okay he said i wanted to take our masks off and before i knew it we were up in the mountains and i was standing on the territory where ulysses where his men used to throw discus and throw uh, uh, different types of sports that they used to play in those yeah, ancient Yeah, like ja- javelin and things of that sort. Yes, and, and, and then he said, took me for lunch. And then as we sat there for lunch, he said, do you see that bay over there? I said, yes. He said, that's where Ulysses came back after the Trojan War and snuck in like a shepherd and to see his adversaries and what was going on after being away this many years. And something took over to me. I mean, I decided to take a swim in those waters. I wanted to know what the ocean was like. I wanted to know the beach you walked along. Uh, and so I start climbing the mountain and going down the mountain. It, it was such an extraordinary experience. And the difference between someone being there as opposed to someone, well, this is what I heard. I was there. So I, 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 I walked in the footsteps of Ulysses. And that was a, and, and he was a fantastic, was a f- fabulous man. I mean, you know, there are people in this world, you forget they're, they're, they're gentlemen, they're, they're ladies. They're not, you know, they're not the roughnecks. Sometimes you come across, um, that, uh, uh, you know, like, even when I went to the monasteries, I would have monks being so rude because they were frustrated with their own lives of isolation. And here I see this man and a foreigner going into a foreign country and telling them about their history. And so those stories became all real for me. And I, you know, I thought to myself, I've lived this so well, this life, I want to write about it. And that's how the podcast came about. And so the fourth one, which everybody really loves, is um, why I wrote this podcast and it's about uh being kidnapped in Egypt when I was being uh, thrown out of my car by Hezbollah and thrown against the wall and they thinking I was an Israeli spy and the hatred in this man's face until a man from the UN came and saved me um going and discovering Alexander the Great's territory tried to find his tomb going to places where they're excavating so all those things became part of a journey that became this podcast to tell this short story to you. <laughs> well,
0: well, tell us about your passion for the epics of Homer.
1: Well, you know, I hadn't read it really in school, nor did I have had it written, you know, in Australia. I, I picked it up one time being an actor because I wanted to know, after discovering Greece on my own, why I why I was... Literature, probably the greatest literature ever written, in Greece. And how did he know about all these things when he was blind? Uh, Actually, he was blind up to after he was about 28. So he'd seen Troy, he'd seen Mycenae, the places he spoke about. So um, I just, there's something about his, his language, the way it was translated, and the way it gives you the whole thing of you realize where the myths came from. You realize where the movies we see, the monsters we see, the heroes we see, all came from those stories. You know, they're they're just bigger than life. And we all thought, well, they're just too too big and too uh, have an enormous size for it to be a real and, and real in life. And what I loved about Schliemann is in the 19th century, proved to the world that, you know, Homer's stories were real, they were not, not based on just you know somebody's thoughts. I passed when I went to Troy I used to go to cafes where a man with an ancient instrument would be playing and telling the stories of the heroes that walked the earth and inspired these men to think that they were living on the land of these ancient greats and so I loved all that. I just thought, you know, we we have so much to look forward to in life, but the trouble is uh, our idea of life is sitting and watching and pointing rather than experiencing and saying, I've been there, I understand. And because you understand other cultures, you become less ignorant. That's why we have so much racism. No, people- I I agree. I agree. I have...
0: I have interviewed people from all over the world, and most of them are filmmakers. And to finally listen to their story, and their story is the absolute complete opposite of what the media portrays their culture to be. And so when I'm listening to these people talk and tell where they come from, what it's like to live in, Afghanistan or Iran um, or Jordan and 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 dealing with the government there, or the religious leaders there. And then they leave. They find a way out to maybe move to London or move to New York. and they finally get to tell their story without having to worry about being harmed. And you're right. When we listen and experience other people and other people's culture, we do become less ignorant. And I think, too, we actually gain more empathy for people,
1: which we all need right now. Yes, you know, that's the, when people are ignorant, they point fingers, Uh, they close the book, they turn off the television. It's, I don't know, you know, I, I look at it and I'm thinking, did we not ever learn anything? we're still in the same place that we've been for years why is it that man can't get along with man because there are lies there are untruths i That's mean right? you know you could you can look at what's
0: yeah it's true in the middle east well let me ask you, you know, this what was the biggest surprise that you found while doing the research and writing your podcast
1: how much a, a man could accomplish in one lifetime and didn't do it enough still for himself what he did for history i mean here, we're over 100 years later how his treasures ended up being stolen by the, the the it was given to germany but they were stolen by the russians during the second world war um so we really can't go there um, because of the trouble with with uh, a man called Putin, um, you know, it, I, I think I think my biggest surprise is dedication that a man had and followed a dream that he believed was true. And in 1823, Onrich Schliemann, at the age of nine, said to his father after reading a book on Troy, that he thinks there's there's treasure there, and the father laughed at him. He says, "Oh, it's just a myth." This man proceeded at a lifetime, made a fortune to be able to afford it, and then found out that three Troy did exist, nine cities over each other, and that he found this amazing treasure. And uh, trouble is, we don't get to see it. It's never traveled. It was stolen. It's stuck in Russia. Uh, but the treasure he found in Mycenae, where I've been in Greece, where the Trojan War started with Agamemnon. And imagine digging in to this earth thats that is the, you're the first person in 3,000 years. You're digging and suddenly you come across a golden mask and then you take that golden mask and you take it off the face and then you see what a man looked like a warrior king looked like in 1200 BC and suddenly it all disappeared to dust but for that split moment he was able to see who this man what he looked like so he found five graves Uh, it it continues today there are now 13 but because he started it because he gave Greece its history back because let's face it it was an illiterate age you know, and nobody, you know, people with history, because I think of the Bible, because of the thing, you know, the religious beliefs of, uh, of where we came from. I think this man kind of brought us brought us into the present by telling us that great men we walked like I, I think of myself when I was doing it as a, a modern man walking an ancient road. And what I found on the ancient road was something uh, uh, unbelievable for me. And, you know, that's all I can do in this lifetime, is build up my own. Like, I have a brother that's totally different to me. You know, he says, if I see one more bloody icon, I'm gonna scream. I'm going, where's the icon, (laughs) you know? How old is the icon who painted the icon? So we all have different interests. But for me, what remains is the history of great men who took their time, and great women who took their time and, and it's like in in my case with with film and television and theater, great people who left us an enormous amount of history, and it's called the golden age. And you know, we can still talk about it. So when I have dinner parties, I love to talk about stories. And you have to know how to tell a story. You know, a lot of people have bridges in conversations. You know, they're trying to think of what they're going to say next instead of having the story clearly. And so storytellers which they're called the ancient bards, the way they tell the story is what keeps the audience going. So I I recently did that to a group of people and read 14 pages of the last episode, and they were all interested. And what were they interested in? Things they didn't know but were interesting enough. And, you know, who tell me anyone who doesn't like the idea of finding treasure. Well, know? yeah.
0: I mean, and, and, th- th- and th- that's one of the things that, as I was listening to your podcast, it was your, like I said, your delivery was so eloquent. You know, I've heard podcasts where people, you know, they want to talk 90 miles an hour. Um, but you take your time and you're building the story. That's what I love. And it, and it keeps you so interested in what you're bringing forth to the listener. And, uh, Yours is one of the most unique podcasts I've ever heard because it's just so well done.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, it took me two years to write it, you know, in between some of my bad dialogue that I had on days, you know, <laughs> some storyline that I went, oh, okay, um, I better dress in a nice suit today because I'm, my dialogue <laughs> is not, not great. Um, but because to me, clothes make a difference. Uh, when you're in character but uh, thank you for that it's um it's and i mean it it's how you tell a story um to me when someone takes too long to make a point i will say to them so what happened <laughs> i cannot tell you how much that gets to what it throws them because what i said so what happened and they go well i i, I did this i said oh, okay so we go into the next conversation because People don't know when to stop. So if you're going to tell a story, you better have a good grasp of what it is you're going to be talking about. Now, I've had some great people at my house, some wonderful actors, some wonderful professional people, uh, some amateurs, some rude sons of bitches that never got invited back again. But, <laughs> um, and some people will tell you after you've spent you know two days cooking and preparing, and they say, oh, I can't eat that. to that would you like to have told the host that <laughs> oh by the way i don't eat this but you know so it's this table that i have i will always take with me because a lot of people have have brought me some great stories and some great laughs and really enjoyable and and also some card games you know, well, so. i have got to
0: ask you because you've you've been to, to greece many many times and All i right. got to thinking about this the other day uh preparing for this interview you know, Greece is really one of the parts of the world where we can actually trace the story of the gospel and also the beginnings of mythology. Um, it seems like Greece really has a true fascinating history. Uh, were you were you able to pick up kind of both sides of that when you were there?
1: Well, in mythology, um, it's like myths of things that never happened but always are and what it was there's a a, an island in Greece where they found a lot of prehistoric monsters the bones and I think it's Lesbos and what they ended up doing in their storytelling they started to give you stories about horrors scary things so we're talking ancient times the people in the ancient world even though they were illiterate from from the sixth to the eighth century um, bc it wasn't until homer started telling stories that other other um, bards would then pick up on it so they're not quite sure if 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 he wrote all this himself or was it as life went on people would add to it this story of this man because they've now found proof you know even vases have have uh, ancient vases, have paintings of, of the Trojan horse, which was, you know, Greeks bearing gifts, beware. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I've had a few of those experiences, but uh, I, think, I think that's mythology started there. And, um, and like religion, because I think Paul of Tarsus, you know, St. Paul who came after Christ, uh, I thought, you know, and Constantinople, because you had Constantine, who is in the fifth century? Who had the um, the Hagia Sophia uh, church built? But he murdered uh, someone in the family, and his mother Helena became the first pilgrim to go to Jerusalem, and she's the one who found the cross, and she found a lot of religious objects, and including the bones of the three wise men. I've been told, but those stories, they those. Those disciples would go around the world, and and, in that world, like in Ephesus in Turkey, uh, and tell those stories. And so, people love stories that are beyond themselves. They don't want to hear, "Oh, I've done that." You know, it's like you know, I had a cousin who came here, and we took it through Beverly Hills. She said, "Oh, we have all those houses in Australia." And I said, "Well, why did you come if you wanted to look at architecture? I mean, if we've got all that in Australia, I mean, which we don't." Uh, we have some nice places, but certainly there's a differentiation. But uh, people become—I don't know—they're—they're they, lazy. They're—they um, don't realize what platforms they're standing on, and the kind of people. And thank God for those scholars that came before us, who who thought beyond ourselves. You know, uh, even some of the—you know—religion and some of it contrived, but. It gave people some faith you know i'd rather have uh, an idea that would give people comfort uh and have faith within humankind and have like we do our christmases and all that it's a celebratory time we have to have those as human beings otherwise you know to light a candle in the monastery where you know it's eighth century i mean there's something about the smell of the place the the history of it all the the calligraphy when you see, uh, when you go to an Islam country, you know, there's so much to, to see. And so, um, I can see why, you know, if you're a history buff, um, but if you, if you travel, like I have, you realize that all these people wrote these stories for us to appreciate. And some of them are forgotten because let's face it, we build, and then we break it down because we need a bigger building. In those days, they built these classical buildings that we copy in many ways. I mean, look at the government buildings. And what we end up doing is, is, is keeping the history. And we, we, don't, we don't build history that way, you know.
0: You know, the thing, uh, don't you find it hard today uh, to actually have a good conversation with people because the thing that i'm finding is that people don't read anymore they don't have that sense of searching and learning and wanting to know something new they all they want to do is swipe up and swipe right on their cell phone all day
1: well i remember being on the plane the only thing people were looking at was their phone i was the only person with a book and uh, i i love turning pages you know what i mean there's something about the texture like I said to a couple of friends of mine, two days ago I called them, they didn't return the call because they were at the movies. And I'm thinking, well, it's two days later, you mean in between you couldn't return the call? And they thought I just wanted to complain. And they didn't look at what, they, what I was saying. Uh, they thought I was just, you know, misunderstanding or whatever. I'd rather have a phone call than somebody texting me saying I had a lovely time. And I look at that and I go, so what does that mean? It took me two days to do all what I did and I get a one line. People used to write letters. People uh, now do little short uh, texts. I don't don't understand. This is what this modern world has created, taken away. I mean, they're learning about writing again. I didn't even know how to write. I mean, I'm thinking there's a beauty in writing. You know, we used to, at school, we used to learn how to write and it was part of our identification.
0: Well, yeah, because, you know, I found out, I guess, earlier this year that a lot of the schools today are no longer teaching cursive. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? I know how to write cursive. I know how to read it. It's not a foreign language. And, you know, education has gotten to be so lazy that now those people coming from modern education will not only be lazy they're not going to be very smart and to think that they're going to be future leaders of the world right. scares me and at the same time if you're not going to if you're not going to be if you're not going to be self-educated you know i love people who are self-starters self-motivated <clears throat> they don't let anything stop them I'm thinking if people don't learn to educate themselves, what kind of crappy TV shows and movies are we going to have 20 years from now? Because we need people who still love to read and love to research. I mean, one of the things that impressed me about you is that you went through 60,000 pages or 60,000 documents Documents. to research. I was
1: impressed. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, it took me two weeks and it was, I mean... You touch the diaries of a man who discovered Troy and Mycenae and brought the Trojan War to life, and, um, you know, you open it up and there's his writing. And and I'm thinking, wow, isn't this extraordinary? And I remember getting emotional. And there was an archaeologist in the same room, because uh, so I wouldn't be tempted to steal any any paper, any documents. Not that I didn't think, I thought, wouldn't this letter between uh, Heinrich Schliemann and his wife Sophia, which is such a beautiful love story. I mean, they got 60,000 documents. This would look lovely on my wall, <laughs> you know. I mean, I thought that. <laughs> and then I, of course, my, my responsible self says, well, you can't even think that way. You know, there's other people who can come after you that need to look at this as well. So, um, but there's something about having gone through all those documents. And reading 19th century clippings, the language was interesting. You know, it was about manners. People had manners. And, and I'm thinking, all this experience, what does it do? It enhances your imagination. Because if you don't have a culture, it dies, the country. And so that's why you see the downfall of countries. Their culture died first. And so that's why, you know, during the Second World War, the, the Russians, the Germans, they went in to steal the culture the 19th century the biggest looters of the world were the german french and english 20th century was the americans they wanted things that belong to another culture because when you get countries like egypt china greece italy they don't have to fill their museums with other people's identities what they have they have enough of their own and some, they have so much, they've got a lot of it in the basement. I mean, look at what Egypt did, and it's got that incredible new museum, the Grand Egyptian Museum, which is in, in Giza. And and what they ha- had was, we thought, oh, there were four, uh, Tutankhamun, the, 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 the young pharaoh, had four canes because one foot was shorter than the other. And they had 110 in the basement. You know, it's just, it's just so much, you know, sorry, but, no, just, you're, no, you're right. I
0: mean, there are cultures. There's countries that have, they're so rich in history that, you know, like you said, they can load up their own museums. America, we be, we're basically going to other places to grab their stuff to fill up our we're own we're young museums. Country.
1: We're a young country. But look what Putin's doing, which was is horrific. He has destroyed museums gone in and stolen their art that's their identity it's like it's eliminating it's eliminating a country's identity who they are who they've been and they've gone into the museum and destroyed it look what isis did in, in in syria in palmyra i went to to uh, syria um, they were not very nice to me because I was an American citizen. Um, they, they didn't understand what, what would I, as an American, be interested in going into Damascus?" And I said, "Well, you know I'm interested in your history." He said, "What history?" I said, "The history before you." And he goes, "Before us?" I said, "Yes, you, you invaded 621 AD. The history before you, that lived before you, that made this country were from the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans, the Christians. So, through the passport at me. That is really sad. That's really
0: sad to hear somebody say, what history? And yeah. and, I, and I remember, you know, when ISIS went in and and destroyed, I mean, things that can never be replaced. I mean, it was
1: heartbreaking. No, but you know what was smart? I'll tell you, which I didn't know at the time. The archaeologists took the statues, duplicated them. These ISIS characters, because they're so ignorant, went in and destroyed all these statues, thinking they were the real things. The archaeologists had hidden the real ones. So what you saw on television with the hammers and everything, they're all fakes. And he knew that's what was going to happen, because they're idolatry. But they wanted the jewels, and he wouldn't tell them. He was 84 years old. They took the man, they cut his head off, and then they crucified him. I mean, its it, you think. The barbarism that and it's all lack of education and appreciation of other people's history and the respect of it and so um you know there's a lot to learn and it's not about you know a telephone and what you're going to play with or read or whatever it's you know whatever you're going to read anyway in a telephone is is short it's brief you know it's not a it's not a book But, you know, reading through all those documents of Schliemann, you know, when I came out, I felt like a real scholar. And the reason I got entry and the reason they allowed me to go through all those documents that were very private uh, was because of Mission Impossible. When I went into the museum, this man came from behind the counter knew I was Greek and gave me a big hug and he goes, Oh my God, you've given us such pleasure. What, what can we do for you? I said, I want to meet the Minister of Culture. He says, Wait a moment. So he picked up the phone, calls the Minister of Culture and it tells him who I am. And he goes, well, can, he, can he come this afternoon? I said, What time? Two o'clock. I arrived at the Minister of Culture. I said to him, I want to go through Schliemann's documents. I want to go to his palace because I've just come from Troy. Everything was said, yes, 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 yes. And I went, wow. So I would walk a mile from my hotel to the museum and to the uh, library. I, I really felt like, I thought, wow, how lucky am I that I'm getting to do this? And I think when people say, people don't even know who some of our great actors are. I mean I, I've showed people Lawrence of Arabia and it's a magnificent film and they said it's too sh- too too long and and, and 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 just too slow and you're thinking wow everything's got to be instant everything's got to be fast what are, what is the what culture we we building and you're right what you said before it's scary who's going to leave the country well we've seen some of them
0: well yeah I mean even even uh, you know, even and, when we and, see and the- I mean, like you said, I mean, they're even trying to erase history in America. You may not like the history, but history is history and we can learn from it. Doesn't mean you have to tear it down because just because you tear it down doesn't erase the fact that it never happened. It did happen, you know, and we need to we need to go back and and read and and listen and, and study Things that, yeah, sure, it may be an atrocity of some sort, but hey, that's history. We just, it should Absolutely. be there to, so we don't repeat it.
1: Yeah. Well, but we do, because some people, you know, they don't listen enough, they don't read enough. Um, I just, you know what I think that I say to people don't change yourself. You have a mind. You're going to be an example one day to somebody, a child or another human being. I mean, when you've been around, and I did that in my 20s, around people who did it well. Life is not a hamburger. <laughs> you know, it is about many wonderful things. And it's about and how you treat things and how you respect your elderly. And why in this country? I don't know why. Why would dim- dismiss the elderly when they when they talk about Biden and all they talk about is old? And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Have you seen what he's done? What he trips? Well, he's got a bunch foot shorter than the other. He stumbles. He had a stutter when he was young. Do you understand? Have you studied his history to understand who the man is? But what does he do? Is there's a certain honesty. And he cares about human beings and is an example of what happens when you're 81 and you can still be president and have the kind of wisdom he has. That's the beauty of getting older. No, we don't want that because we want young because that sells. But how much of the young is going to tell us anything? So to me, I've always loved the elderly. That's why in Greece, the elderly will tell you, scold you. Uh, bad manners and things like that. So the elderly are here for a reason. We all get there. Learn, when you're young and you're scoffing at it, learn, you're going to be there one day. Well, yeah. It's going to be worse. Well, you know, the things that I miss, and you're right,
0: we need to respect uh, our elders a lot more. They know more than we do. They have great experiences that... They would love to share if someone would just take the time to ask, sit, and listen to their own stories. You know, Mm -hmm. I miss the days of good grammar. I miss the days of good spelling, good conversation, you know, reading. You know, I am a big proponent, Teo, about read, read, people, pick up a book. You're never going to learn anything on your phone. Flip through the pages, read every or, you know, read something you know absolutely nothing about, and and put something into your head that's brand new. It may inspire you to do something great or to, to keep searching. You know, I think we're, we're losing the ability to search and to be enlightened. And and like you said earlier, you know, to listen and learn from other people because once we do our own level of ignorance goes away. Our ignorance gets smaller and smaller as we start learning about other people, other cultures, could be other religions. I mean, I'm appalled that only 20% of church-going Christians only read their Bible. I mean, if you got handed the manual, why are you ignoring it?
1: Well, why are you contradicting it?
0: There you go. Because you're not reading it.
1: Yeah, or you, (laughs) man's funny, isn't he? He he sees something and he may, hmm, I could do something with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for you, what do you hope listeners will take away from your podcast?
1: You know, someone wrote to me the other day who'd listened to it. Um, He was a, a director and also a critic, a film critic. And he said, I've been listening to your podcast and I just wanted to say, It could have been just a history lesson, and that kind of would have bored me. But you've made it into a mystery, the way you're telling it, and it's thrilling. And I just couldn't stop listening to it. And I thought, well, that's the idea, isn't it? It's like, how do you tell a story? How do you keep an audience? You know, having been in the theater and that, it's, it's an interesting thing how do you bring the audience up to you rather than you going down to the audience because they're in control of the situation because you're boring them. So, you know, I have my own techniques of what I do when I'm in the theatre. But um, it was really a nice surprise because the way he worded it, I like the idea of it. It's like a detective story and giving the examples of uh, how somebody survived. But to hold, imagine 16,000 pieces of gold in a, in a headpiece in your hands. To me, that extraordinary, When the thing I discovered in Egypt in a tomb was a, a, a necklace. I was the first to walk into a tomb that was open in 2340. was originally 2340 BC. When I went into it, I was the first person to enter it. I was given the permission in Cairo. And when I went in, the smell, the air and everything, and I found in the sand while I was sitting there meditating, I found this amazing necklace and it was, um, it belonged to, uh, 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 what do you call them? He was the mayor um, or a nobleman and the necklace was all encased in gold with, with seven precious stones and I held that in my hand. I, w- I was the first person to hold that in, in 4,000 years. There's something about that, doing that, discovering that, you yourself, put it back but you know there's just something about treasures to me I, you know when uh, even in delos in greece i climbed over a fence because i knew they hadn't they hadn't uncovered the earth and i just dug a foot down and i found all this jewelry and, and precious um, glass and i just just touching it was that was it that was my discovery that was it i just covered it and climbed the, uh, back over the fence but the joy was in the discovery so well, have you ever
0: a, thought about turning this into a television series?
1: Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, when you approach, like, history or discovery or whatever, um, they, they're looking at different things now. You know, each year something changes. I was supposed to have done a thing for discovery a number of years ago about my journeys and where I've been and and what I had found and they their comment was um, can you start in six weeks I showed them clippings I had from uh, Syria, and uh, climbing Mount Sinai crossing the Sinai desert going to the monasteries and I put all this together and they said this is wonderful and then someone from National Geographic came two weeks later and fired everybody and that was the end of it so um, I got close a couple of times of doing shows, but I think I think this story has legs. Um,
0: it, it's well, in, in- it does because you are an excellent host. Like I said before, your delivery is very eloquent. Your storytelling is captivating, and when I listen to your podcast, because I'm like, okay, there's got, you. Are you going to be releasing more? Uh, more episodes because I want to hear, I want to hear more.
1: Well, when you hear the fourth one, um, that probably will surmise some things about my life. Um, and the reason why I did the podcast, uh, what subjects would I tell next? I think I like the idea of love stories because it's always tragic in, in the story. Um, But now I'm doing a biblical story, and I'm also doing a a script on on Schliemann, and it's coming. It's really interesting the way it's turning out. It's it's an adventure, and also um, when I opened one of Schliemann's diaries when he was going through the isthmus, which is in Panama, and it was raining torrential rains, and 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 there were there were cannibals there. And he was saying, all he wrote was horrible, horrible, horrible. That's all he wrote in the diary. And my mind went, Indiana Jones, <laughs> you know, walls that are crumbling, you know, danger, snakes, all that things that come out. And so um, I wrote a five page scene from three words. So that was that was good. And so um, the way it's coming out, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with. But the biblical story, um, I I did the uh, a film called Esther and um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: story, and so we did. Uh, I think um, I think that story is. I'm just I'm, I'm doing the breakdown of, of the uh, of the story now. Uh, when I got this idea, it came to me while I was meditating, and I went, "This story hasn't been told." So I'm doing that. So. You know, if, if I'd been doing days, I wouldn't have been able to do this. So you have to trust life. Also the word trust is very important because when you're making your moves, you've got to trust that this is why this has come. Know, know what crosses your path so that when something is meant for you to pay attention to and it brings enlightenment into your life because we live in such a chaotic world uh that's why for me with people you know friendships don't have to be a lifetime they can be you know a few years they could be you know all the great ones of mine are gone what i'm left with is a different breed of how they've looked at things they didn't come out of the world i did which was you better do your best you know they didn't want st- you don't go in thinking you're gonna make bad choices. And so to me, imagination is very important. And how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, it's in the way you see. You know, some person may watch something and you say, yes, but look at that. Oh, I didn't see that. So, you know, uh, it's in- interesting how people express themselves by the way they've taken what they watched and, and then think it's the truth and somebody else takes it. But that's what makes life interesting. Then that becomes an argument. You know what I mean? So,
0: (laughs) yeah, good point. Sometimes I think we should just sit back. If we're watching something, uh, take it in. Maybe we have our own interpretation. But, uh, Tao, I've absolutely
1: enjoyed this conversation with you today. It's been an
0: absolute blessing. Uh,
1: Thank you. And thank you for asking the good questions. (laughs) <laughs> well,
0: you're very, very welcome. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, look, uh, you need to tune in to Teo's b- podcast, In the Lost Treasures. You will fall in love with not only the stories, but you're going to fall in love with his storytelling. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, for me, I, I listen to it on Spotify. Some of you may pick it up on iTunes. And uh, when when are we going to hear more episodes?
1: well <laughs> it takes a long time to write them you know um, I don't know I don't know yet um, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know i you know and there's stories to talk about Egypt i I wrote a book called places and there are stories in there I would like to tell you know how and what happened when I I went to um Jerusalem because I wanted to go to um the setting of where Christ was born and and how they wouldn't let me into the church because um, it's always problems uh there in the Middle East you know um it's 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 you know everybody here They all go for their religion and they go for all the blessings and everything and then they turn around and they stab you. I mean it's just uh, you know the hypocrisy. So I had the opportunity where they said to me I wasn't allowed in because um, the Palestinians had killed a monk and and, uh, some Israeli soldiers a few weeks ago so it's closed. And a monk came out, and this is true, he was smoking his cigarette and I was thinking Hmm, he hasn't quite found God yet. And then he looks at me and he recognizes me and he says, Mission Impossible. Because during the time he was studying theology, the only thing he would watch was Mission Impossible. So he said, how can I help you? And I said, I would like to walk in and see the the spot where the Christ was born. I just want to have that experience. he took me by the shoulder and they stopped and he said this is a pilgrim and this pilgrim has come to be blessed and he walked me in there against their will and I was the only person at that spot for over an hour without waiting and it was just extraordinary. Of sitting there and just imagining, and um, and then two years later, I'm in a cafe in Athens, and I'm looking at these monks because I love to study behavior, and I'm looking at these monks, thinking, you know, how, what's their belief system? Are they are they there? Have they arrived? Have they become who they're supposed to be? And then. They're drinking their little brandy and they're having their cigarette and their water. And then he, one turns around and looks at me and he goes, hello. I, I said, oh, hello. He says, you don't remember me. And I said, he says, he says, I'm not wearing the beard. I'm the, I'm the monk who let you in the church in Jerusalem. And I went, is that interesting? Two years later, I meet him again. So they're the signposts. You know in life and so that was that 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 was a fortunate time um you know there are many many stories i could read even in casablanca uh, when i went to morocco and uh, what took place there um, even going to um uh, getting caught in two hurricanes in cuba um, where i ended up and what happened with the people i was with and um there's just something about I don't go anywhere and say it come back and just find an empty page. I come back and I and the thing is, people don't either they envy that you've taken another trip or they're just not they don't ask. They don't ask anymore, where did you go? Uh, what happened? Did, did you you know, was there any problems, you know? Like, you know, I, I went in, I, I took two weeks touring the Holy Family's uh, escape from Herod. I went to all the different monasteries now in the sacred spaces and um, stayed there and slept there. And I thought, oh, that's a story to tell, what I found. And um, and you come back and you're going through these revelations and and people... Think, oh, that's great. <laughs> so the story really, in the end, is about you first have to satisfy yourself. You build your own foundation. And for those who are necessary in your life, you will find. And those who are not will leave. Some people are there to teach you lessons. Other people there are there to share love with you. Uh, there to embrace you and to share their stories as well and for me it's it's endless Um, especially in this country I mean this is a very generous country it's just that we're going through a very divided period and 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 I just say to people don't don't jump to choices and don't point fingers at people and if you don't understand their culture open up a book and find out what was great about that culture, because every culture has some great things.
0: Yeah. And oh, so. it, it, ab- and that's that's one of the greatest things I love about, you know, interviewing people. I want to know the backstory. I want to hear them tell stories yeah. that they may have not had the opportunity to tell before. I've had mm. I've had so many interviews where someone, even those that are very famous, they would ab- absolutely say well, you know, I've never told this story to anyone before, but let me tell it now. And I'm like, wow, no one was interested before? And and I think we need to show more interest in people. I mean, look, we are living in a society that everybody's pointing fingers of being narcissistic. But in a way, a lot of people are, are crying out, wanting to be heard. But to me, there's a lot of people out there that have so many incredible, beautiful stories to tell. I just want to sit back and listen. And this is why I'm enjoying you. I'm enjoying you so much because I could
1: listen to you tell stories for hours. Well, go to the old people. Sit with old people (laughs) and say to them, what happened? Tell us your story. What happened? You'd be surprised. The things they because in those days in their youth it was what we call in Greek which means shame to tell those stories because it didn't reflect well either on you or the family or on somebody else's life so they don't discuss it but later on when all has been forgiven um, look you see this picture here can you see this yeah you see the shadow that is uh the that is in 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 cairo half an hour outside of cairo and this is the apparition of the virgin mary wow that appeared in the 60s uh, i went to that church it appeared in the 60s for a year at dawn every day and thousands of people came even nasa who was the prime minister and a lot of healing took place, and um, I think because the Coptic religion, which was created by the Holy Family, uh, being there and what it, it brought um, Christianity t- into Egypt, other than um, because it, it was there first before the the Muslim invasion, it, it, it's just uh, amazing. And, and i and I met somebody who had seen it. And and they said the apparition was extraordinary and how much it changed every day. Some day it was just the face, sometimes the full body, other times the birds, the doves would fly around. And when I walked into the church, there's a beautiful photograph, not a photograph, but a painting of a man who witnessed the Virgin and couldn't get over it. And he gave it to the church and there was a woman kneeling holding on to a post sobbing in front of the virgin uh, painting and it was i just went that is extraordinary to see how deeply people are affected by something that was good something that was sacred something that was healing and, um, you know, even though a lot of people say, oh, I don't believe it, it didn't happen. Well, it's part of history, and it did happen. And they did go there, and they did escape for four years. And so, you know, you think to yourself, that was... So I, I took, I, I bought a couple of those photographs and, and gave it to people, and, and uh, I keep one for myself just to remind me of, of how goodness translates into the best of people. I completely so, agree. Uh, you know, so we need to check ourselves. I don't know why there's so much hatred and so much. I just think people are confused, and and then uh, and you wonder. Well, you said it best. They're ignorant. Let's let's just say what it is.
0: Ignorance well, it's is what reigning supreme.
1: The, what did your parents teach you when you're growing up? You know, did did people say awful things? My my parents never said once anything race racial in the house ever no
0: i well, was always taught manners. i was taught grammar i was taught taught you open up a, a door for a lady uh if you're walking down the sidewalk yeah. the man's walks on the outside and the woman walks on the inside right. you know right. just you know even those little things i mean i even even today teo I, if i go if it's the post office or anywhere and, and a woman is behind me. I open the door for her and they look at me like I'm from outer space. And I'm like, don't you know what manners are? I mean, yeah. that's what a gentleman does. And I'm shocked on, on how many women today have no clue that what a gentleman is supposed to do. And they're shocked. But then I have those that, you know, the, the older ladies, the elderly ones, and they look at me with a smile on their face. And and I'll hear things like, oh, thank you so much, or somebody taught you right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Have you been to the DMV lately? I was there yesterday. (laughs) I mean, I have to tell you, you wanna stand up and say to the people that work there, there is no reason for this attitude. You are doing a job. If you don't like it, then go somewhere else what they do to people who don't quite understand the language because it is a bit convoluted i remember a man coming up to me and and i was trying to find where to raise something and he came up to me says you're taking too bloody long and i went do you really hate your job he goes what i said you really hate your job i said why can't you just be pleasant why can't you say do you need help instead of scolding i said you don't know your place and you don't know who you're talking to So let me, you know, to me is, if you don't know how to treat me, I'm going to show you. Because I don't like disrespect. I've earned the right to stand on the platform I'm on. It didn't come easily. It was, it's, the gorgeous part about it, it had its beginning. And I can see now the full arc of it. And it has a beginning, middle, and the end. And for me, now, as I'm on the, the last renaissance of the of the of of my life, you know, I, I'm starting to hear about what's wrong with people, you know, well, they're too old, and what they talk about when we said about Biden and all that. I, I, I just think people are so cruel, and even the news media, they should be ashamed of themselves because they're doing it because of money and ratings, and you want to say, oh, my God, people, what has happened to you? Is that all you care about? You're not taking any of the money with you. It's not going anywhere. The only thing you're going to take with you is who are you? That's right. Who that's did right. you become? And, you know, that's why I always think when on the other side, <laughs> and you have to explain yourself as to why you were a son of a bitch <laughs> 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 or why you were not kind because. My spiritual counselor said to me once, when you go on the other side, there are two things that take place. You see everything that was given for you to do in in this life, and what you did with those tools. And people get shocked. Because when you go on the other side, you're just spirit, you're not physical, you know. And as I said to a Palestinian one time in Jordan, invited me for dinner because of, you know, recognition factor of mission. And he said, um, oh, my parents would love to meet you and all this, and I said, so you really believe there are uh, 70 virgins waiting for you on the other side? He goes, well, of course. I said, do you realize on the other side you don't have a penis? <laughs> <laughs> said, it's, it's strictly spirit, and he, he was like shocked. He never thought of that. I said, what makes you think that those virgins are waiting for you? Do you think that's just a made up clause? to confuse you, do you think really on the other side, when you are just a spirit and it's your soul, and you're looking at the choices you made? It it just, and young, and I thought, look at what they're they're taking in. Mm -hmm. Look what some old person or some young person said to them. You know, when you go on the other side, if you do this, those virgins are waiting for you to reward you. God will reward you. And then you think, you know, are we stupid or something? Are we not educated enough to know what we go over as? People say, you know, you go into the ground, that's it. But for me, I think it's just a no,
0: isn't. There is an afterlife. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people take time to think. They don't take time to reason.
1: They don't take no, time I think, to read. I think... I think I, I always believe that you come back with a part of the soul that hasn't found God and it becomes a circle like everything in life it's not complete until it's a circle and I really believe that you know people are on different levels that's why we see different situations going on in the world but for those of us uh, who have become older, uh, the only thing you can do is be an example, and mentor the, the young ones um, who are willing to listen. Some are not because it's, um, uh, you know, I said, you don't talk to your father in the same way you talk to a 20-year-old. There's a difference in your tone, and that's what makes you a bad actor. You can't differentiate between the differences between the two or if someone's 40 and you're 20, or you're 30 and you talk to someone who's 90, is that the way you speak to them as well? Is a different tone. Man or woman, you have to understand there's a reason. As as Jaques says in the play, as you like it, there are seven stages of man. And you have to know which stage you're in. And we don't know that enough. And isn't it something, did you think you're gonna get all this talk from a Guy who spends his time in daytime.
0: <laughs> well, I will tell you this: you're you're probably one of the most well educated, well rounded, eloquent individuals I've ever spoke to, and it's been an absolute pleasure today.
1: Thank you. Th- and, thanks.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, you need to check out Teo's brand new podcast. It's out now in the Lost Treasures. You can pick it up on iTunes and Spotify. You need to download it. You need to sit back, turn your cell phone off, unless you're using your cell phone to listen, and just absorb the stories that he is bringing forth, the research, the, the travels. It is just You can literally just close your eyes and go back in time with him as he's telling these stories on his podcast in The Lost Treasures, you are absolutely going to fall in love with it. And Teo, I again, I'm 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 impressed. Um uh, you have been an absolute blessing today. And like I said, I could listen to you tell stories for hours and hours. You are always
1: welcome back on my show. Oh thank you. Thank you. It was a great pleasure meeting you and and you allowing me to share these stories with you. So I hope people get something out of it and and realize that, you know, we've had greats come before us and they, some of us were taught by them. And so we do have things to offer. And you, so we have to listen.
0: Oh, uh, Absolutely. and yeah. And just to have you on today, I myself is richer for it. Thank you. And ladies Thank and gentlemen, you. you can catch all of the replays of our interviews with top film directors and producers, screenwriters, even actors and incredible storytellers like Teo. More on our YouTube channel at Bond on Cinema. And we are also available on a dozen audio platforms as well. And again, you need to check out In the Lost Treasures with Teo Pingless. And you can listen on iTunes and Spotify. Download it today you got to take it from me. This is a guaranteed most incredible podcast that you will ever listen to. Like I said, it is perfectly done. Eloquent storytelling. You will be begging him for more episodes. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, I want to thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time.